Welcome in, you lovely human beings. This is Imperfect Progress with your host, Hennessy Coombs, a safe space to dive into the experiences, feelings, and tools that make up a full and flawed life. Today, we are talking about flaws. We say flaws and imperfections like they're these things that were never meant to be there. Like we did something or something happened to us that irrevocably broke us or ruined our lives. We live thinking that we're supposed to be a certain way. And the fact that we're not means that there's something wrong with us. And we each have our own standards of perfection or being good or being normal. And they all stem from that beautiful, messy mix of nature and nurture. I had this idea, and I still struggle with it today, that there was a right way to be and a wrong way to be. And the right way to be was perfect. No one can criticize you or judge you or reject you if you're perfect, right? How can anyone not love you if you're perfect? And I know that my drive for perfectionism comes from that same place, a desire to be loved and accepted. I thought that internal perfection meant complete moral goodness, getting along with everyone, pouring out my everything for the good of others, always doing better than my best, making and following through on detailed five and ten year plans, never wasting time, and generally just trying to be like everyone else so that I would fit in. External perfection meant being a certain size and wearing a certain style, laughing and smiling the right way and at the right time, not being too loud but not being too shy, being friendly to everyone even when I felt uncomfortable, matching my clothes correctly, and giving qualifiers for everything I thought, said, or did so that no one thought that my self-concept was too high because the reality of me would most likely be very disappointing. Only after checking each of these boxes on a daily basis could I be considered perfect and therefore lovable. My imperfections felt like tall walls, blocking my path to connection with other people. I always felt like the weird girl, no matter how much external validation I received. I thought that feeling deeply, wearing bright colors, crying frequently, singing everywhere I go, having mental health diagnoses, actually thinking I was good at something, not liking hot dogs or ketchup, quitting jobs, spending time in psychiatric care, liking Doctor Who, having dirty shoes, moving home, taking psych meds, talking in silly voices, not wanting to exercise or eat, having jiggly thighs or wide hips, escaping into TV shows, and constantly wishing that a man from my favorite fantasy novel would walk through the door to save me from my life were all ugly cracks in my identity. And those cracks were all flaws and turnoffs that would scare people away. So I needed to overcome them. I needed to hide them. I didn't want people to see the version of me that wasn't carefully crafted for perception control. I didn't want to be vulnerable with people about my inner world because they would see these parts of me. These parts I was ashamed of. These parts that I thought disqualified me from belonging. And though it wasn't obvious to me in the past, I can see clearly now that this was absolute poppycock. These so-called flaws are essential bits of who we are 
and core moments of our story. And without them, we wouldn't be who we are now or on the path that we're on now. Flaws and imperfections can be hard to accept, especially when we see them as purely negative. So today, I'm going to challenge us to see them in a different light. The truth is that some flaws can actually be a part of your strengths. Others are clever, yet not very helpful strategies that your problem-solver brain uses to try and meet your needs. And all of them can be points of connection with others to build authentic relationships. The idea that our imperfections can be strengths is very foreign to us. There is a plethora of movies and shows, books, and even real-life stories of people doing everything they can to achieve perfection. I remember watching an obscure sci-fi movie in my freshman biology class called Gattaca. Lovely class. Um, The cast was great. Who doesn't appreciate Jude Law? Very strange movie. But the premise is that a man who is deemed genetically inferior and flawed, wants to travel to the stars, but those opportunities are only given to perfect genetic specimens, like the other main character in the movie. Now, the rest of the movie involves some identity theft and genetic manipulation, also that he can fit society's standard of perfection and achieve his dreams. Now, if that example is a little too uh, nerdy for your taste, just think about all of the coming-of-age movies where the teen tries to change what they look like and how they act just to be accepted. We've got Mean Girls, Grease, The Duff, Can't Buy Me Love, Need I Go On. Now, there are several problems with changing who we are and trying to shut out pieces of our personality and appearance and character that we consider flaws. Like I said, I tend to have strong emotions, and those feelings like to come out through tears. I struggle with depression and anxiety. The other side of these flaws is the strength of compassion and empathy. I'm a person who wants others to feel loved and accepted while also craving that for myself. I used to see my feelings as imperfections that I needed to hide, But now I try to embrace the fact that my great emotional range is part of what helps me connect with strangers, be a better teacher to my students, and support people in the midst of their own strong feelings. I also have a very eclectic taste in nearly everything. I like bright colors, but I feel like as an adult, I'm only supposed to wear neutrals. I went through a phase in middle school where I thought fedoras were the bomb.com. I talk a lot, and usually pretty loud, even though nice girls are supposed to be bubbly, but a bit subdued. I like nerdy British television, and I jam out to Hamilton more often than necessary, even though I'm supposed to watch The Bachelor and only listen to Taylor Swift. I like fantasy books about fairies and bruja magic, even though I'm supposed to read something more philosophical and educational than that. I enjoy just sitting in the forest doing absolutely nothing, even though I'm supposed to stay busy. But I keep wondering, who decided this is what I was supposed to be?
and then I realized it was me. I put these limits on myself. The truth is that all of my quirks and interests, they make me uniquely me. And the things I consider oddities are an opportunity to exercise my strength of individuality. Seeing flaws as strengths was not an immediate revelation that just struck me one day. This took plenty of self-reflection, accepting affirmations from loved ones about the beautiful things they admire in me, honest conversations with myself, talking with my counselor, and a lot of crying and journaling. Now your journey to finding strength in your imperfections will look different, and that's normal. That's good. That's the whole point of this. We like different. Different is okay. Your journey might involve confronting past scars or finding an accountability buddy, setting boundaries in a relationship, or listening to Lizzo and breaking plates in a parking lot until you realize you're an absolute boss. Yes, that last one is on my bucket list. However you approach the process, It's doing it that matters. Now, not all of our flaws, imperfections, or habits are strengths in that same way. But that doesn't mean they are purposeless evils in the core of our being. Instead, many of these flaws are our brain identifying a problem and creating a solution. Our beautiful minds are trying to tell us that there's an unmet need or ignored feeling And if we're not ready or willing to take care of it, our brain creates a default solution. One imperfection I've struggled with is feeling like I'm a lazy person. In my head, and a very outcome-driven society, this makes me feel like I'm a bad person. I would disappear into reruns of nostalgic TV shows and audiobooks. I felt so tired I was self-isolating and completely unmotivated. Now the truth behind this flaw of laziness that I saw is that I was really running myself into the ground for years and years and never giving my brain or body a chance to truly rest. Because even when I was vegging out, it didn't feel truly restful because I felt guilty and ashamed the whole time. And I was always thinking about what I should be doing instead of what I was doing in the moment. My inner world was just crying out for a break. And so my brain solved a problem that I ignored. I wasn't lazy. I was just so tired. As a young adult, I got into some unhealthy situationships that generally left a whole new scar and batch of self-loathing to deal with. I thought my choices in relationships meant that I was weak-willed and not worth the effort. Again, not the whole picture. The situationships were actually my brain's way of problem-solving my deep need for community and connection. It's much harder to find and keep friends post-college, especially at the level I was used to. And my brain decided that these situationships were the quickest and easiest way to meet that need. All these things that I thought were flaws in my character were actually signals in my brain 
trying to tell me that I needed to reevaluate my commitments, relationships, and how I was caring for myself or not caring for myself. The problem with these automated coping skills is that they didn't meet my needs according to my values. They met the need, but not in a way that brought my true self peace. And instead, they caused even more discomfort and shame along with the already existing burnout and disconnection. This idea of our true self has been incredibly helpful to me. I'll go ahead and share how I define this concept, but feel free to look into it more and develop your own understanding. I think the term I'm referring to might be your highest self in psychology, but I like to think that my true self is my highest self guiding and shaping all the other bits of me. So to me, your true self is the most authentic, holy well version of you who lives to enjoy and create, to notice and to heal, to nurture you and radiate the love inside to the world around you. For many people, this version of you is the divinely created or spirit-inspired you. It's the most life-giving version of us in relationship to the source of all life, however you define that source. When we connect with our true self, we're able to operate based on who we are, what we need to thrive, and what we value most. This connection with ourselves takes time and intention to develop, but it is the most worthwhile relationship that I have invested in. Everything else in life can change. People enter and leave, jobs come and go, financial stability waxes and wanes, our physical abilities grow and decline. But the one circumstance that will not change is the fact that you are stuck with yourself for as long as you live for better or worse, in sickness and in health, through the good, the bad, and the ugly. Doesn't that seem like the most important relationship to nurture then? Isn't that one of the most meaningful ways to use our energy and compassion and understanding? So in order to take my brain off of the autopilot choices and make choices that were in line with my true self, I had to learn how to notice how I was feeling and then accept the state I was in and decide, is this really what I want? And then start baby stepping forward into something different. And no, it sadly didn't work out in a nice step-by-step cyclical pattern like that. But with time and help and work and intention, I've started to notice the signals before they become a habit or choice that doesn't truly serve me and my values. Usually, it's not a one-time confrontation of the same flaw or pattern either. These flaws give us an opportunity to name our strengths and set boundaries so that we can use them well. They also give us a chance to connect with our true self and find healthier, more life-giving ways to meet our needs. And on top of both of these benefits of our flaws, imperfection is often the richest ground to plant seeds of authentic connection. The friendships I've sown in sharing my limitations and struggles with others are the deepest ones I have. 
This comes back to vulnerability, which requires courage and risk. But it is so incredibly worth it. Because when you connect with someone through a shared flaw or insecurity, you feel so validated. It's a great exercise in honesty and in trusting others. Maybe the other person doesn't share your same imperfection, but your honesty gives them permission to be vulnerable about their own flaws. Maybe that's all each of you needed was a safe space to share, to know you're not alone. Maybe this connection leads to accountability and encouragement as you go through your imperfections. Maybe you share a flaw with someone and they look at you like you're crazy and you feel crushed. Not the happiest example, but it is a possibility. It's happened to me. And some people have sweethearts and good intentions, but a huge lack of understanding and poor reactions. Not everyone will embrace you with your flaws and shadows. And that sucks. It feels devastating. And it's also okay. You can recover. Because at the end of the day, your vulnerability and self-acceptance show that you have a meaningful connection with yourself. You also learn that that person wasn't a safe space. And now you can move on to finding more genuine, healthy connections. A relationship where you can't be yourself is not worth it. It's not sustainable. But a relationship where you can share your scars, contemplate your flaws, comfort each other, and grow together is precious and priceless. Now, I still have most of the same flaws and imperfections I've had since I was a kid and a teen and a college student. I didn't get rid of them. There was no magical five-step plan to encountering perfection. But I can notice them now. And I can accept them. I can notice what they're trying to tell me. I can check in to see what are my brain and my body asking for. I can check in with my true self to see how she wants to meet the need in accordance with our values. And I can share my struggles with Satan people while we work through them together. And I'm sharing all of this with you because I want you to know that you don't have to live with parts of you in the shadows. The flaws that you see do not define you. These things can impact you. They make up parts of who you are. But you can also affect them through acceptance and curiosity. There's nothing keeping you from acceptance or love or connection, except maybe yourself. Now, I might still wish someone would rescue me. And I know that means it's time to call or visit a friend. Sometimes the pull to isolate and melt into my couch is real. And I know that means I need to take a break and do something that nourishes my soul. And sometimes that is melting into my couch, but without the guilt and without the shame. I haven't achieved perfection, and I never will, but I'm making progress as a messy human being. And I think that's the best we can do. So maybe that's a truer definition of perfection. Acceptance of who we are now, and the willingness to keep growing into who we are made to be, 
all within an authentic community. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Imperfect Progress. Please share this podcast with anyone looking for community in a complex life. And join me next week where we'll discuss the art of self-compassion. And remember, dear one, baby steps are progress.